Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. Today we continue on our current series, This Changes Everything, with the title of today's message being The Holy Spirit Within You. We hope you enjoy today's word. Ladies and gentlemen, and thank you so much for joining us today. We are super excited to have you here with us at Church at the Bridge. Today we have a dynamic word in season for you. I know that this is a little bit different, but let me tell you something. This morning I woke up and I was just talking to the Lord and I was saying, Lord, how's this going to work? And I started, I started to realize that I was asking the wrong question because the Holy Spirit reminded me of Matthew chapter 8, where a man came to Jesus about a situation that uh, was, was uh, rooted in the distance that existed between where Jesus was and where his servant was. And so he says to Jesus, Jesus, my servant is sick. And Jesus said, I'll come heal him. And the Bible says that this centurion man said to Jesus, you don't have to come. Just send the word and he will be healed. Well, today we are super excited because we know that the Word of God is reaching your heart, reaching your lives, reaching your mind, and it is ministering to you and bringing healing and hope and redemption, and it is bringing about the change that God has in store for your life. And so today we're picking up where we left off. We've been on a series the last couple of weeks entitled, This Changes Everything. And over the last several weeks, what we've been seeing is that the Word of God is full of truth. But this truth is intended to produce change in our lives. I want to encourage you while you're at home, while you have this time to be with family, go ahead and check out our website, ctbny.com. Check out the messages there. Use our app. Go to our SoundCloud page and just tune in to what God's been speaking through this series. It will change your life. Well, today, I'd like to talk to you on the subject of the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit is viewed by many as something foreign, something abstract. To some people, it's even spooky. But the truth is that the Holy Spirit is not something. The Holy Spirit is not abstract. The Holy Spirit is not foreign. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is the person of God living in you, living in you. And so I want to read to you a story just to kind of prime the pump, so to speak, to get you thinking about this. It says that there was a young man working in the army who was constantly being ridiculed because he believed in God. And one day the captain wanted to put him down, tear him down, humiliate him before the troops. And he called the young man and said, young man, come here. He says, take the key and go park the Jeep in front. And the young man, while embarrassed and afraid or of further ridicule, replied, I cannot drive. And the captain said, well then, ask the assistance of your God. Show us that he exists. At that moment, the young man remembered Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through Christ, who is my strength. And immediately, he took the keys and he got in the vehicle. To his own surprise, he was able to park the car perfectly as his captain had ordered him. As he gets out of the Jeep in sheer amazement of what had just happened, he notices all the soldiers in his company are crying as they approach him. Not understanding why they were crying, he asked them the reason to which they responded. And they say to him, we want to serve your God. Not quite understanding still what was going on, his captain, who was in tears, 
beckoned him to the jeep while opening the hood of the vehicle. You see, as the soldiers approached, he realized the reason, as his captain showed him that the jeep had no engine. And so, as we start off this morning, I want you to think about this, that much of today's modern-day Christians see the forgiveness of sin and the endeavor to know about Jesus as all there is to the salvation that Christ died for. But this is dangerous thinking because it limits the power and the purposes of God for our lives. God wants you and I to look under the hood and realize that he has given you power to live an entirely new life. And it comes by way of the Holy Spirit. This morning as we dig into God's word, I want to encourage you to simply lean your heart in. Lean your ear in. And I want you to realize that God is present and able and available and at work. And he's closer than the mention of your name. That he's speaking directly to your heart. He's addressing the fears of this world. He's reassuring and he's reaffirming and he's building you up and he's telling you you're going to make it. You're not down and out. You can get back up. You will rise again. God is present and able and his spirit is alive and, and well in you. And so there's an importance to the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we must understand and become intimate with the truth of the Holy Spirit in us. In John 16, verses 6 and 7, Jesus speaking says, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts and taken complete possession of them. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Listen to why Jesus says that. He says, For if I do not go away... The helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. I want you to consider the words of Jesus here. Because in the final moments of his life, Jesus is telling the disciples that his time has come to leave them. And upon hearing it, we find that they respond in grief. They are distraught. They are overwhelmed. They're at a loss for words. They can't understand it. It's almost as if they're saying, Jesus, please don't go. And I want you to consider that the scriptures reveal that Jesus is pointing them to something better. See, to them, there was nothing better than to be with Jesus, to share life with Jesus. They wanted him to physically stay. And the truth is, who could blame them? I mean, what could be better than physically seeing Jesus? What could be better than physically hearing his words? What could be better than touching him and being in close proximity and watching him do these great and amazing things and turn around lives and turn around a nation? What could be better than seeing God in the form of flesh before you? And yet, Jesus says to them this, it's better It's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit, the helper, my comfort, your advocate, your intercessor, your counselor, your strengthener, your standby will not come. See, Christ had something better 
in mind. The reason why the disciples were so grieved was because they believed that their experience with Jesus in the physical form was the pinnacle of relationship with him. And if we consider the scriptures, Jesus is saying there's something better than me being physically here with you. See, in this limited experience, Jesus performed miracles. Jesus taught people. Jesus operated in great power. But Christ had something greater in mind, something beyond what their rational minds could comprehend. He says to them, I tell you the truth. If I don't leave you, the Holy Spirit will not come. As good as it was for Jesus to be with them, he was limited by his physical experience. He could only be with one people in one place at one time. And thus, it was better for him to leave so that all men could personally experience the power and the presence of God in their lives. See, this is important for us to understand because we're not called to experience Jesus somewhere out there as we just simply go to church or we simply read the Bible. I want you to remember what the scripture says, that unless he went away, the comfort of the Holy Spirit would not come and live and be in personal relationship with you. Right now in these trying times, it is of utmost importance, it is crucial, it is critical that we get the revelation that God's not far. That God's not absent. And it's also important that we realize that God did not do and he did not initiate and he did not impose upon this world the things that we're seeing. No. He says, I'm leaving you comfort. I'm leaving you strength. I'm leaving you counsel. I'm leaving you power. I'm leaving you an advocate, one that will always point you to what's right about you. See, God's not in the business of leaving his children alone. God is near. And I pray that even right now that you can say these words with me with confidence. Say this with me. My God is near. My God is near. And so what we see is that God has always had a plan to invite us, to give us access to come alongside us. He's saying, let me walk with you. Let me live in you. Let me reveal to you something more than what you can see and what this world tells you. You know, the story of creation brings clarity to this point of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says, now the earth was formless and it was empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now listen closely to this. These verses and the ones that follow summarize the account of how creation came about. God had a master plan, the world all creation. And the scriptures tell us that God spoke and it all came into existence. But we have to question, how is it that God did that simply by speaking? 
And in verse 2, if we could put that back up, what we see is that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, was hovering over the waters. He was hovering over the waters. That word hover there means to brood, to relax upon as a hen. A hen who hovers over her eggs and as a result of the nurture and the warmth and the power of her presence amongst her own eggs, as she hovers and she broods upon them, it brings forth the full formation of her chicks. How does that relate to our lives? This is a depiction how God's spirit functions in you. The Holy Spirit in you is the power of God that broods in you, upon you, and is working to bring to the surface what God has already performed deep within you. His promises that he's bringing to pass in your life. His power which is resident in you. Just because you don't feel the power of God doesn't mean that you are powerless, child of God. Just because you don't see the promises of God always coming to pass, or you don't see the details coming uh, into formation, does not mean that you are powerless. The power of God is in you and is brooding in you. And I want you to see that God right now is hovering over your life, in your life. You are covered under the shadow of his wings, and he's bringing to pass, he's bringing to birth every promise that he has deposited in you. See, the Holy Spirit is the power of God in you. And therefore, we cannot continue with a surface-level understanding of the Holy Spirit and the power that he brings into our lives. We must make room for him. I want you to hear the heart of God at this moment. The Bible talks about a woman in the Old Testament, in 2 Kings. We simply know her as a Shunammite woman. And the Bible says that the man of God, Elisha, would come through regularly through this town. And as he he would walk through, this woman would take notice of him, and, and eventually she invited him to come on over into her home and have a seat and have a meal. Now, this is important because... The prophet in those days was representative of the power, of the presence, of the voice of God. Something that this day and age we need as people. And what we learn from this woman is that as Elijah would pass by, week after week, month after month, every time that he came through, that she wanted a personal encounter with God. And the Bible says that one day, Something changes for her. Listen to what 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 10 says. She says to her husband, please, let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Consider what just happened here. This woman recognized the power of God and saw the need to make room for him in her life. Hear the voice of God. Hear the the cry of God's heart this morning. God's simply saying, I'm with you, but would you make room to know me? 
Would you make room to hear me? Would you make room to, to know my leading, to know my heart, to know my power, to know my strength, to know my counsel and my comfort, to know all that I have for you? He's crying out to each and every one of us. And so we also, like this woman, should have an openness to the Holy Spirit as well. Because when we do, the power of God has room to work in us. In John chapter 14, verses 26 through 27, we read the words of Jesus as he gives us greater insight into the Holy Spirit. And I want you to be very present. And I want you to engage with the truth that God's word reveals this morning. I want you to get up close and personal and see that Jesus is speaking to you and I. And just like the disciples who were unaware of this power, of this presence of God in them, with them, leading them, maybe it's possible that you've forgotten Maybe you're deferring to power in other ways, in other people, in other areas. And I want you to hear the voice of God this morning with me. Jesus said, but the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. And he will help you remember everything that I have told you. Verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Listen to what God's reminding us right now. My peace is still present. Hmm. He says, I don't give you peace as the world gives. He says, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. In verse 26, we see from the words of Jesus that the Holy Spirit is God in you. He brings the full authority of God into your life. He is the complete power of God in your life, and he is the agent of change in your life. You know, I remember when I was growing up in church that I viewed God the Father, Jesus, the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit on a ranking system. You got to understand what church I came from. We were the church where we thought we knew it all. And the way I grew up, I understood the Holy Spirit to be the third wheel I thought that he was out there, and so I devoted my time to seeking God. Don't need the Holy Spirit. I devoted myself to talking to God. Didn't think much about Jesus. And the truth is that I did not understand what the words of Jesus meant. See, while God is on his throne and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, God is still present. Because his essence, his life, his power, his person lives in you and I. And so I want to encourage you that some people spend the majority of their Christian lives looking for God somewhere out there. Not realizing that he's right here. Right now. The very life of God is in you. Speaking to you encouraging you, 
building you. If we would just consider the words of Jesus, we would see that he's not just God in our life, but according to what Jesus said, he is God who helps us. Notice that the Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your helper. He's the one that's come alongside you. The original Greek word, therefore, helper, the Holy Spirit, is parakletos. And what it means is one who, who's called to your side, one who pleads your cause before a judge, one who's a helper, one who brings aid and is a strengthener. See, God has come alongside you, and when you make room to know him, you discover his comfort, that he pleads your case according to the truth, that he gives you wise counsel, that he is your strength, and that he is your present standby, ready, willing, able to step up on your behalf. At a time right now where many people find themselves helpless, I pray that you hear the invitation of God that says, I'm still here. Would you make room for me? Would you trust me? Would you listen to my heart? Notice in verse 26 that he says, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things. Hey, have you ever done this like I have? Have you ever told yourself, I got it, I got it, but you didn't? You ever told yourself, I got it, I'll make it work, I've got it all covered, and it didn't work out? If you've ever been there like me, you can appreciate the fact that we all know what it's like to make decisions without the necessary experience and information. You know what the beauty is of the Holy Spirit? The beauty of the Holy Spirit is this, that you don't need experience for God to work in your life. You know what the power of God is? That you don't have to have all the details for God to work in your life. You know what the beauty is of God working with you, in you, through you? That you don't need to know it all. You just need to know God. And today, I want you to see that God says, I will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. Listen closely. He's the best at it. <laughs> In John 16, 13 through 14, we read the words of Jesus and listen to what he says. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Right now at this moment, there are questions in this world. How is this going to work out? Will we ever get through this? What's going to be the outcome? Can we make it? I want you to see that the Holy Spirit of God teaches you all things, and he shows you that which is to come. Why not lean on God? Why not look to God? Why not trust the work of the Holy Spirit? Notice that the scriptures say that he will guide you into all truth. Now, according to what we're reading here, the Holy Spirit does not just teach us as it pertains to spiritual realities. Listen, the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God living in you, is not just to teach you spiritual things. This word all in this verse reveals that while he points us to the truth, of God's word, he reveals by this truth the whole. In other words, 
He is the one who teaches us how the truth of God's word applies to any and every part of our lives. In all things. I remember years ago uh, when we first started the church, uh, we were a young church. We were growing. But, you know, we were kind of trying to figure things out. And uh, we started on our home. We started in our home with 12 people, and that lasted a couple of weeks. And then we ended up in a, in a hotel and conference center here in the, in the town of Newburgh. And that lasted about five months. But at the rate that we were growing and how God was doing things, one of the things that was always present in my mind is, where are we going to go with all this? We need space. And so I remember it was during the summertime of uh, 2014, and I, and, and I was frustrated. I was frustrated because I was going all over. I was looking at different spaces. I was looking at different hotels. Uh, I, was, I was talking to all these people. But we knew that we were called to this region. But you see, in my limited understanding, my view of what it was to be in the city of Newburgh was to be on the outskirts. We'll reach them from afar, just, just, just outside enough. And I was frustrated because nothing was panning out. And then one day, we had our nephew up, and uh, we, had, we had put him in summer camp here at the Boys and Girls Club of Newburgh. And we were, um, we were taking our nephew every morning. We would go drop him off, and then we would leave, and then we would come back. But the way I would come from, from when I used to live in New Windsor is I would come through the back way, through River Road. I'd take a back road, come up south, go drop him off, and go right back out through the outskirts of Newburgh. And on this particular day, I was extremely frustrated. And as I have my nephew in the car, I'm talking to the Lord, and I'm saying, Lord, what are we going to do? I'm not finding anywhere for us to go. We can't keep going on in this hotel and conference center. How is this going to work out? God, I need your direction. And then I said this. I said, Lord, if it's in the city of Newburgh, then you got to show me. Because in my limited vision, I don't see it. I don't see it. And so on this particular day, I, I get to the Boys and Girls Club in Newburgh. I drop my nephew off. And as I'm driving to leave, for some odd reason, I just get the inclination to not go the same way I came to the city. And in my mind, what I, what, what, what I thought was, well, if it's here in the city and I'm saying, God, show me, then I might as well drive through the city. So I go down Liberty Street, heading towards Broadway, and common sense says that when you get to Liberty and Broadway, everything on Broadway is to the right. You go up Broadway, because to make a left would mean that I was heading towards the water, and there was nothing there but a college. So I get to the light, and as I get to the light, I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, make a left. I said, okay. So I just make a left. I look to my left, I see nothing. I look to my right, I see nothing. I go down a little bit further, I see a church here, I see another church there. And I'm saying to myself, my God, there's so many churches out here. Lord, it can't be here. And so I decide I'm going to make a U-turn and go up Broadway. I get by the college, I make a U-turn, I start coming up Broadway. And as I'm coming up, approaching the intersection of Liberty and Broadway, the Holy Spirit says to me, look to your right. And I turn and I look to my right. And I see a for sale sign on a building, and my heart leaps. Now, you got to get this. This makes no sense. makes no sense at all. I'll tell you why. Because we were just starting. We had no money to buy a building. But everything within me leapt, and I, and I knew that's it. 
And so I'm, I literally cut a car off that's on the, right, uh, on the right lane to me. I cut them off. I pull in. And as I pull in, I jump out the car and I run to this building. And I can't even see because the, the glass is all tinted. But I see a picture of what I recognize as a club. And I said, Lord, this is it. I call my wife and I start telling her, honey, I found it. She goes, okay, well, call the owner. I call the guy and the guy says, come see me. Ladies and gentlemen, I go see this man. And God opens up a supernatural door. This man had a cash offer, hundreds of thousands on the table. And I tell him, we're a church. We just started a couple of months ago. And we're here in this city because God has called us to be here. And this man got on the phone and turned down a full cash offer and said, I'll lease it to you for peanuts. Let me tell you why I share that story with you. Because oftentimes when we look to God and we look to the Holy Spirit, we look to the Holy Spirit just to know spiritual things. And while that's good and while that's appropriate, I want you to consider that Jesus says he will lead you into all truth and he will show you things to come. God wants to speak into every area of your life. You might be struggling right now financially. You might be going through a circumstance in your marriage. You might not know how this is going to work out with your employer. You might have some fears and some doubts and some worries that are overwhelming you. Hear the voice of God. I'm present. And I want to lead you into all truth. And so what we see here is that additionally, the Holy Spirit, our teacher, not only is he to come, but he will also show us what's to come. This literally means in the original language that he shows us how to go from one place to another. Listen, God isn't just going to give you a vision for what's coming He will show you how to get there. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 14, we read the words of Jesus where he says, He will glorify me. And what Jesus is literally revealing to us here is that the Holy Spirit is the one who makes Jesus known to you and I. When he says he will glorify me, he's saying it means that he will make known, he will reveal the excellence, he will render the illustrious and magnifying power, he will honor and he will testify about who I am is what uh, Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit. In John 15, 26, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will testify about me. This point is crucial to understand because if you were like me, or if you're there like I was at one point, I devoted myself. And there are people today that devote themselves to the study of the life of Jesus, to education, to reading material. But here's the thing, it leaves no room for God because it's restricted to human reason. The Holy Spirit is the one that reveals Jesus to us. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So if you want to understand personal relationship with God, you've got to realize that you've got to be intimate with this power and this presence of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave you. My perfect peace I give you. I want you to see that the Holy Spirit leads you in peace. He leads you in peace. 
In context here, Jesus is revealing the person of the Holy Spirit, who he is to us. And what we see is that one of the distinguishing characteristics of his power at work in our lives is peace. In the face of challenges, it's the Spirit of God that calms you. In the face of challenges, it's the Spirit of God that gives you courage for life. He strengthens you, and all this he accomplishes by peace. Listen to what Philippians 4.17 says as it describes the peace of God. It says that his peace surpasses all understanding. All understanding. If you're trying to seek the peace of God in your emotions, I guarantee you this. I can tell you my personal experience. You will fall short every time. Because peace has nothing to do with emotion. Peace has nothing to do with calming your nerves. Peace has nothing to do with you working your thinking or getting some positive thoughts at play to contradict the anxieties of life. No, peace is a person. It's the person of God. I'm reminded of a story I heard one time of a painting competition that was uh, put out to a community. And what they said was, the challenge was, we're looking for a depiction of peace. And they got all these paintings by all these elaborate artists. And some of these paintings had beautiful scenery of birds flying in the air with the sun and the clouds. There were other pictures that depicted people laughing and sharing and holding hands and eating a meal. There were other pictures that depicted uh, a, a calm, uh, a breeze, as, and, and, and the, the, the people running in fields. There were other pictures of flowers and plants and sun shining and beautiful sunsets. And then there was one picture that made completely no sense to all those that were judging these paintings. It was a picture of a storm. There were waves crashing and the, 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 the artist went to great detail to try and depict the winds blowing and, and it looked like a tempestuous situation. It looked like utter chaos. And as they leaned in, they kept asking themselves, how is this a picture of peace? And then one of the judges notices a bird in a cliff, in a nest, nestling its chicks, weathering the storm. You see, peace isn't the absence of trials. Peace is complete confidence in God and resting in him in the midst of storms. You have the peace of God with you. With the Holy Spirit leading your life, you can be in peace. You can exist and approach every storm of life in peace because you are not the one in the lead. You can trust the one who is, the Holy Spirit in you. In John 16, 8 through 11, Jesus says, and he, when he comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a savior and about righteousness and about judgment and about sin and the true nature of it because they do not believe in me and my message about righteousness, personal integrity, and godly character because I am going to my Father and you will no longer see me about judgment, the certainty of it because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged and condemned. I want you to see that the Holy Spirit gives you great revelation. The Holy Spirit is the one 
who brings to the unbeliever the message that convinces him and teaches him for his need for God. That's what the scripture is talking about when he points out that he reveals to us or convicts us of sin. That's talking about convincing us. It's not talking about condemning us. But to you, the believer, what we see is that he brings revelation about righteousness. Let me tell you what that means. The Holy Spirit does not call you and approach you according to your failures. Not at all. He's not beating you up. He's not pointing out your flaws. Instead, according to the words of Jesus, what we see is that he reminds you of your true nature. Let me tell you what that looks like. When you fall down, he doesn't say, you lazy bum, you dropped the ball. No, he says, you're still righteous. When you feel like you can't, he tells you, you can and you will and you must. When you believe that you've dropped the ball one too many times, he tells you, you are holy, you're acceptable, you're strong, you can make it, you will make it because I'm with you. And he also brings to us a great revelation concerning Satan. Notice that Jesus says that he convicts about the judgment, the certainty of it, because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged and condemned. The next time you are concerned about the enemy, the next time you start talking yourself into how the devil's on your back and how he's beating you up and how he's coming against you and how he's destroying your life. I want you to realize what the scriptures say about this enemy who many people believe to be a great enemy but is not great at all. I want you to hear what Jesus says. He's judged and his day is already appointed. Stop worrying about it. Accept this certainty. Isaiah 14, 15, and 16 says this to us. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Look at verse 16. It says, those who see you stare at you. They ponder your fate. They say, is this the man who shook the earth and made the kingdoms tremble? Listen closely to what the scripture is revealing about Satan. He's a nobody. He does not have the power that some of us believe he does. He's a liar. And today I pray that you stand in the truth that the Holy Spirit speaks to you and I right now. What he's depositing in our hearts, what he's affirming, he's saying, he's defeated and you can rise. He's judged, he's condemned. You're free. In Ezekiel 36, verses 26 through 27, we learn something about the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Listen to what God says. I'm doing something new in you. I'm taking a hard heart. I'm taking a hurting heart. I'm taking a beaten down heart. I'm taking an abused heart. And I'm giving you a new one. 
a heart that believes, a heart that receives, a heart that trusts in me. And I want you to see why. See, the Holy Spirit empowers you to live according to the Word of God. Don't miss this point. This is crucial. Because in many Christian circles today, what we teach people is the importance of them submitting to the Word and working the Word and making themselves and amping themselves and pushing themselves to obey God and obey God and obey God and obey God. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't live in obedience to the Word, but what I want you to see is that the one that gives you the power to obey and follow the Word of God is the Holy Spirit. Listen again. To verse 27 in Ezekiel 36, he says, And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Many times we try to do for God, not realizing that he's doing for us. Let God lead you in following his word. You'll never fail that way. It'll always work. You'll see the power of God where he says that his word does not return to him empty, but it will accomplish everything that he sent it for for in your life. In Romans 8, 11, we read that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. When the scripture talks about giving life here, it's literally talking about causing to live. It's referring to, it's depicting seeds quickened into life, germinating, springing up, growing. The Holy Spirit causes you to grow. Here we are sometimes trying to cause ourselves to grow. You ever do that? i got to grow myself into all that God says. I encourage you right here, right now. If you're lacking in any area, pray this with me. Holy Spirit, help me to grow. Show me your ways. God's not calling you to work for it. God's calling you to let him work. See, The Bible says that he has placed in you incorruptible seed. That seed can't be infiltrated. That seed can't be corrupted. That seed cannot be destroyed. But it's as you and I make room in our lives for the power and the presence and the leading of the Holy Spirit that that seed grows. Let him grow you today. Let him help you grow out of your fears. Let him help you grow out of your doubts. Let him help you grow into the woman that he's called you to be. Let him help you to grow into the man of God that he has destined you to be. Let him help you to grow into the person that brings solutions into the community as opposed to specializing in problems. Let him grow you. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 that his Ways are easy. He says, learn from me. Let the teacher of teachers teach you and grow you this day. And as we close here today, I want to leave you with this final point. 
that the Holy Spirit gives you power. Power. The Bible says that after the resurrection of Christ, the disciples were hiding for fear of the Jewish leadership. They were afraid. Some of them had just outright given up. Peter went back to fishing. Thomas kept doubting. The disciples kept hiding. They were racked with fear and worry. Not unlike the world we live in today. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that Jesus rose and that he went about for 40 days giving them convincing proofs that he was alive. Evidence that everything he taught them was true. And it says for 40 days he taught them about the kingdom of God. But after he had finished doing that for 40 days, after he taught them about the kingdom of God and how these principles work in their life, there was one final piece of instruction. Acts chapter 1, the second half of verse 4 into verse 5, says that Jesus told them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. He says, for John baptized with water. In other words, John led you into this faith and this experience with God by baptizing you into water. It was a symbol of the decision you were making, but listen to this. It gets better. He says, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Listen closely. I'm reminded of Ezekiel chapter 47. Check it out on your own time. But what you'll see in verses 1 through 12 in Ezekiel 47 is that Ezekiel is having this experience with God and he says that he, that the God took him before the temple and as he's before the temple, that water begins to come out. And the Bible says, Ezekiel says that the Spirit of God said to him, let's go a thousand cubits long. And it says that as Ezekiel went, that he was ankle high in the water. But then what we see is that the Spirit says to him, let's go another thousand. And the Bible says that at that point, that then he was knee-deep in the water. And the Scriptures declare that the Holy Spirit again beckons him. He beckons him and he says, let's go another thousand. And he's waist-deep in the water. And then the Scripture says that after he's gone waist-deep, that the Spirit beckoned him to go another thousand in length. And at that point, he says he was so deep in the water that he could no longer stand, but he could only flow with the water. Listen to Ezekiel 47, verse 9. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, that's you, that's me, that's us. But notice this, it's every living thing. That's everyone. Whether you believe in God or not, whether you're convinced about God or not, I want you to see that the Spirit of God beckons you and I. And he says, let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. Deeper to the extent that it's no longer within your control. 
deeper to the extent that now you trust me. But watch what verse 9 says. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. Listen closely to what the scripture is revealing to you and I. It's when we get to the point that we go to the depth of what God has done through his Holy Spirit. That we flow with his power and his leading and his anointing and we live. We live. Don't miss this point. God says you shall live and you shall not die. And you will declare the works of the Lord. God says there's no need for fear when what you've done is made room for my power and my presence in your life. Somebody needs to hear this today. You shall live and not die. God has called you to life. 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 In Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus gives the disciples insight into what they were waiting for, what this baptism of the Holy Spirit was. He says, but you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. The Bible says that these people remain together in one accord awaiting this power of the Holy Spirit, this baptism of the Holy Spirit so that they could live as witnesses before the world to the power and the truth of the gospel message. And the Bible says that suddenly, as they were one accord, about 120 of them, that the power of the Holy Spirit was not just upon them, but it was in them. And it says that these people arose and they began to speak with new tongues. There was an evidence of this presence and this power. And this is important because for some of us, this is spooky. It's scary. The Bible says that you and I are to build ourselves up in our most holy faith as we speak in the new tongues. As we flow with this power. I'm not asking you to take my opinion on this. I'm not asking you to believe my words. I'm asking you to look to the truth of God's word. And if you've never invited the spirit of God to that extent in your life, if you've never said, Holy Spirit, I'm going deeper and I'm going where you're taking me. I want you to see that where he's taking you is to power. Where he's taking you is to new life. Where he's taking you is to a place where you no longer depend on your ability, but you live in God's ability and you overcome and you are victorious and you walk in healing and you walk in strength and you experience life in abundance. Right here, right now, as we close, I invite you to raise a hand. Not because it's just something cliche that we do. But if that's where you are, you raise your hands and surrender. And you say, God, I believe your word. And I believe 
that your Holy Spirit is in me. And if you want to walk in a deeper manner with God, if you want to go where the Holy Spirit leads and you discover life, as opposed to where you lead and you go no deeper than your ankles. That's who you are. If that's you right now, then I want you to see that it's simply a matter of saying, Holy Spirit, you have a place in my life. And you begin to pray. Listen, don't try and conjure up tongues on your own. Don't try and figure out how you do that. You simply just speak. And I believe that right now there's power flowing in you and through you. You're praying in the Spirit. You're building up your most holy faith. You're alive and well. There are rivers of living water flowing out of you and through you. And where you once lacked hope, now you're flowing in hopefulness because you're full of the hope of God. That is Christ Jesus, the hope of glory in you. Right here, right now, we make a declaration that we are a people of power. Right here, right now, there is change, there's hope, there's strength, there's power in your home. We make room for you, Holy Spirit. Live, live, live. Take hold of the power, the presence that's yours in Christ. Hey, friends and family. Thanks again so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. We pray that God spoke to you directly through this message. And if he did, we want to know. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can even give us a call at the office to let us know how God spoke to you. Don't forget to also share this message with a friend, a co-worker. Share it on your social media stories. You never know who in your life may be blessed by this word. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast, and we'll see you next week.